0: Are you too late for this tulip craze market and can money still be made? Have you missed the AI tech rally? All the fundamental experts seem to think so and they're giving you the hottest stocks to short right now. So, my question is should you go long? <laughs> should you buck the trend and use, those, uh, use these experts as uh, contrarian indicators? Or the real title? absent of all emotions, absent of all the hype and feelings is the train is leaving the station. Are you on board? Actually, the trains already left the station and is continuing to go. Are you on board? Because the market doesn't care about your time horizon. The market doesn't care about your feelings. The market doesn't care that you're scared. And the market doesn't care that you think the market's a little bit lofty and got high fundamental valuations or that we're slowing down with the economy and maybe going into a a little softer recession or even a deeper recession. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what these experts think. It doesn't matter what Don or I think or the team at Revere. The only thing that matters is price. Price is truth. So the question is, what is your truth? Are you taking, are you more fully invested right now? You you should be. Now, as long as you have a cell discipline you can breathe and you can relax. But the whole topic of this show, and look, I know folks that we've talked about this at nauseum for the last two or three months, but this is how important this is. This is how important this is because this is very timely. You know, Ted found a, a quote, I think it was on Twitter, and it was one of the big, famous money managers from the past 30 years. Very, very good. Because everybody's talking about, are we in a bubble? Is this a bubble? Have I missed it? Is it too late? Or how do we, how do we manage this? And he had a classic quote. He said, I love bubbles. I love bubbles because bubbles are where big money can be made very rapidly. And then he's got the dot, dot, dot. But you have to know when to sell. Now, here's the problem. I know a lot of you are a little bit younger and you kind of don't remember the 2000 tech wreck. A lot of you do. But in 1997 and 98, we had two big banner years and then 1999 just exploded again and everybody was going, this can't go on forever. In fact, those three years were the three best back to back years in the stock market going back to the all the way back to the history of the stock market, I think. If Don of the boys can prove me wrong, do it. But those are the three best back-to-back years in the stock market. Anyway, everybody's saying halfway through 99, oh, my God, this market can't continue to go up. Valuations are too high. Priced earnings are hundreds or even a few in the thousands. And it's just in fact, that's where they came up with that peg ratio in 2000 because the P.E. ratios were getting so lofty. They had to try to justify on the sell side how they could make it seem a little more palatable. So they came up with price to earnings divided by growth, because if you have a big growth rate, then you'll grow into the pe if you will you'll that in other words if you're growing at 100% a year and your pe is 50 next year all things being equal it'll be at 25 and the next year 12 and a half so if you're growing fast enough that pe theoretically will come down that's why people will pay up for pe's but the whole point is regardless of your feelings or what you're doing right now the markets are acting well Regardless of all the political stuff, all Ukraine, none of that, none of that matters. Don't, don't listen to the noise. Listen to the signal. What are the signals? What are the markets telling me? Now we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all that. There's a few other, uh, but first I need to give the disclaimer. Look, this is your money radio, not their money, not the broker's money, not the insurance agent or the annuity salesman's money. It's your money. And you should be able to do and invest with it how you want. Okay. And we're going to talk about that. And that's going to be the main topic. But before I do that, look, it, 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 all we t- this show is for education and for entertainment. And it gives a lot of good investment ideas for research. But this is not specific investment advice. If you want specific investment advice or you want a a complimentary portfolio review, just reach out to me, Dan at revereasset.com or call me at 855-REAL-WEALTH. We'd be happy to help you or talk to your own advisor. Now, there are also a bunch of other topics that I found this week that I found interesting that will help you for planning or or, or what have you. And those will be in the show notes and you can look over those. Uh, You know, one's about uh, the annuity king. The annuity king and his bipolar sidekick just got charged with a $6.3 million investment fraud. Why uh, 1966 was the worst year to retire and why it matters in 2023. This actually talks about the 4% retirement rule, which is they taught for years and now they're realizing there's lots of holes in it. Uh, There's an article about Raymond James getting a $4.2 million fine over exorbitant fees. Way to go, Ray J. Gouging the clients. All right. And then we've got, uh, now this one is more important. There's actually two different articles on retirement, how to take money in retirement. Now that gets a little tricky because if you got a couple million bucks, you're a couple, you got a couple, you got a Roth, you got an IRA from a rollover from a 401k and you got taxable assets. How do you do that? Well, Fidelity's saying you ought to just do it out evenly. Let's make it real simple, so our our reps on the phone don't have to think, and we'll just take it out a third, a third, a third across the board. Really, what you want to do is you want to look, and when you retire, you see how much money you're going to have. You got to remember your RMDs are going to have to come at 72 or 73, maybe 75 when you get there, and so you're going to have to take out money even if you don't want to out of your IRAs. So in that interim, when you need extra funds to fill in the gap of social security up to you have to start taking your required minimum distributions. That's when you t- drain a little bit of the IRA. You pay the tax on it. Normally I don't ever advise t- paying tax early. I'd always want to look for a, a current tax deduction or deferral before I take a, instead of some future benefit, right? But in this case, I may drain a little bit off up to my next tax bracket and as soon as it bumps me up to the next tax bracket then I go to my tax my after tax account or my Roth To get where I need to go. So that then later. And so that cash flow modeling. That's fairly sophisticated. So it's a little bit heady. But it's a good article to read. And we do that all all in-house. We got a portfolio management system. That will automatically figure out. which Where's the best place to take the money. In retirement from which account. And your tax planning. Anyway that's a real good one. uh, To use uh, to look at. And then three rules for investing in AI. AI is all the rage now. You've heard it. Uh, and basically uh, one avoid all a uh, AI ETFs don't agree with that, but that's his opinion. Uh, number two, Nvidia isn't the only AI stock you should own. That's true too. Should be one of them. And he's talking about some other ones um, and embrace the AI bubble. So this is the part that I really like Are a stocks in a bubble. Two thirds of uh, advisors said yes. Now, um, Here's a couple of facts. Investors poured three times more money in AI startups last year, this year to date, than all of 2022 combined. Combined, okay. Um, um, And and AI could be in a bubble. Uh, It says uh, you just. This is a famous quote from Bill O'Neill. You just got to know when to sell. So the whole. This is a great topic on how to. Uh, 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 do uh, uh, invest in AI stocks. But now let's get to the main topic at hand. And the reason this is so important. So I was going back to 2000. I was talking about that. All, you had all the fundamental guys. I was a big fundamental guy. I was looking at these valuations going, man, this doesn't make sense, right? And so, And so these people were all saying, you know, you can't invest in this. you can't And finally, it kept going up. And then early 2000 in January and February, they couldn't take it anymore. And they all said, you know what? These stocks just can't go down. When you start hearing that, these, so right now it's these stocks, these valuations are crazy. Pretty soon if they continue to go up and they may, they may not. See, I'm flexible enough in my mind to know that either way is possible. I'm not taking a stand one way or the other. I'm just going to watch prices truth and I'm going to make adjustments accordingly. Okay. So now what, 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 what these, these guys started saying these stocks can't go down. That was the beginning of the end. The final people that had, dug in their heels, finally said uncle, and threw their cash in, and now there's no more cash to invest. The cash was on the sidelines, and there wasn't anything left. Folks, right now, there's still quite a bit of cash on the sidelines. There's a lot of stocks that are heavily shorted, so you'll get short squeezes, some of these big stocks. That's one of the things about um, um, these hottest stocks to short. These are some big-name stocks, and if they get a little bit of a rally, you'll see short covering and you'll see a big squeeze. Anyway, in 2000, January, and February, and March, the market's just raced up until they all of a sudden hit an inflection point and sold off hard. That and and you may give up, you know, 10 or 10%, even 15. But even giving up 15, you still had a 40, 50, 60% run. These stocks will go up further than you think and then they will sell off further than you think. So if you're going to do that asset allocation, that high chart buy and hold model, you're going to have to wait for a while. Or if you do it now, you're going to have to be ready to put up with a 30, 35% drawdown at some point. The question is, will it be from 5% higher from here or 60% higher from here? I don't know. I'll just know the big sell-off as it starts to happen and as it starts to accelerate, and then I will make my adjustments accordingly. All right. So with that said, and kind of setting the table, we're going to go to the mailbag because the mailbag is very apropos to this topic. And by the way, Two of these, the first two were done last Saturday, right after the show on July the 8th. And this last one, we actually uh, just got this morning. And it's, it's actually a great question. Folks, one thing you've got to realize, when the market breadth expands and more stocks are doing well, your screens, all of a sudden, instead of getting 30 or 40 stocks on your screens, you'll start getting 80 or 100 or more. You'll get more that qualify now. They can make the cut. So you may actually have to tighten your screens, but that's how you know the breadth is expanding. In really ugly bear markets, that same screen may only generate a, a hand 10 stocks or eight or five. If it gets really, really ugly, like at the bottom of the COVID bear market, uh, we'll ask Don, but I think there was only one stock left on his, on his list that made it. In any event, that's how you know. All right, so here's the first one. Good afternoon. This is Saturday, July 18th. Good afternoon. I enjoyed uh, your latest market wrap, as I do daily. While listening uh, to your recording, I, I, I while listening, I record some data on stocks and ETFs I follow. I noticed, Don, you've been giving some acknowledgement on the Bitcoin miners as of late. I've got a few on my watch list. Recent made a small purchase of WGMI, which is basically a basket of miners. Um, IBD ranking seems pretty solid. Earnings are lackluster, but the industry has the N for new. That's in the canceling. Um, Also, miners are finding new, more efficient ways with their energy, which is their biggest expense. I'm wondering what the great minds at Revere might think of WGMI and a way to gain, gain exposure in this new industry. Thanks, and I look forward to your feedback. Thanks, Jay. Don's answer. Hi, Jay. Thanks for reaching out. We've been monitoring Block B L O K is a ticker. It has a lot of similar holdings, like. Uh, but I like how W G M I is more pure, and I really like uh, the tickers Mara M A R A and Riot R I O T are weighted in this. In this, uh, volume is increasing lightly, but still a little on the thin side. So if you're a retail investor doing it yourself, this. Volume won't be an issue for you. Here at Revere, when we're managing well over $100 million of assets, we've got to have volume restrictions. So we've got to have minimums on the volumes of both stocks and ETFs we use. All right. It's amazing how these names really move relative to Bitcoin itself. Uh, SEC approval of the Bitcoin spot ETF could really bring bring in some more institutional money. Thanks, Don. So there's a couple new uh, ETFs that are filing to hopefully get approval uh, for the Bitcoin ETF. Now, one thing I want to point out, a lot of the Bitcoin miners are starting to do really well, and that's the more aggressive growthy side of the market. That's actually bullish for aggressive growth stocks and higher beta stocks. All right. Second one. This is also July 4th, uh, July 8th, excuse me. Uh, Uh, Wanted to get your thoughts on Rivian, R-I-V-N as a ticker uh, for long-term prospects. Uh, I'm looking at the EV market. Rivian's niche is SUV and trucks, uh, which are the highest demand vehicle types with Tesla outstanding performance. I am thinking Rivian over the next 10 years could see similar results. Of course, living in SoCal, Southern California, Teslas are everywhere and Rivias are starting to show up. I've actually seen a few here in DFW as well. Um, The other parts I've watched Tesla for five years. Absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, Hi, Casey. It's one thing for a car truck company to say we're going to make EVs. It's another thing to produce them at scale a third thing to be reliable, and a fourth to deliver them at a profit. Rivian just recently became became able to successfully produce at scale. Their numbers were good. Reliability is to be determined still, and profitability is years away. There's no denying the recent strength and volume in a stock. um, uh, And it is based on the delivery numbers. Uh, It's liquid enough for institutions to accumulate. It's now made our way on our universe list, our, our watch list, but it's extremely extended for now. So for now, we're in watch mode. Thanks for reaching out. And then she responded, appreciate the feedback. Looking at a massive daily squeeze it triggered on the 5-8 cross on the weekly. Love studying the charts and learning signs a stock is about to make a big move. It, and isn't it isn't sometimes a story rather than the fundamentals yes that drive a stock trajectory anyway interesting to watch i have a very small position i'm in the green and my stop loss is at break even uh, it could be a bit overbought and we'll uh we're heading into earnings next month thanks and take care kc so And that's another way to handle it. By the way, a stock doesn't have to be profitable for you to make money and act right. Amazon lost money for years, but they were stealing market share. And that's key. All right, finally, and for the last mailbag, and then I'm going to throw it over to the team. Good morning. This actually came in this morning early. Good morning, guys. Just curious on how to find potential opportunities such as ticker VRM. See attached chart. I am finding so many of these, but always too late. Meaning he's getting a lot of stocks on his screens. Are there screeners or a way to isolate stocks with sizable volume increases? You need to stay pay attention to this. Don's going to go over that. Beginning in June, volume increases drastically and price pumps. He's talking about VRM. Anything else come to mind finding these? I do know some of these could be pump and dumps, so I'm applying risk management and only invest what I can afford to lose. Thanks for everything, TW. Don's answer. Great question. I will demo live on today's podcast, on how we scan in Market Smith throughout the day on up volume tickers. So, in reverse order, we probably ought to start with that right away, and you can show that, Don. Then you guys can talk about the market breadth and what the market's telling us and how we are doing and what we're doing. So, Don, take it.
1: Sure. First, I'll start off with the ticker that was specifically mentioned VRM. Uh, they uh, a car wholesaler basically they sell used cars kind of like carvana uh this would not have come across our screen because we uh we screen every day for up on volume but we also include a price and a liquidity uh mandate in there because we're looking for stocks that that we can trade as an institution running almost 130 million dollars Room trades 4.2 million shares a day, but it's only a $2 stock. So that is only approximately $8 million in daily dollar volume. We insist on a minimum of 50, so it's too small. Uh, the other reason is that low price stocks, it's also under $10, so it wouldn't have come on our screen. The other reason is uh, with this being as low priced as it is, as he said, some of them are very, uh,
0: like manipulated, pump and dump. <laughs> yeah, manipulated,
1: yeah. Yeah. yeah, like for example, if we were just screening for volume on at the beginning of February, this uh, sh- would have shown up up eleven percent on the day on four hundred and forty three percent volume. If you would have bought that and then not paid attention for the next week and came back to it, you would have lost a third of your money because it was down thirty percent over the next week. So stocks that are thin like this and low priced uh, can very easily be pumped and dumped. Uh, yes, VRM is showing up again on volume, but it's the same same situation. It's not liquid enough for us. But I will show uh, this up on volume screen that I run constantly uh, during the day uh, through MarketSmith. This is our um, this is our screener and and my primary charting platform. So basically, what we're screening for the the entire MarketSmith a uh, database has 9,774 tickers in it. About a third of those are ETFs. Uh, so we don't wanna eliminate those, but so looking for up on volume, I want the volume to be 50% above average, current price over $20, change on the day over 2%, 50-day average dollar daily volume, 35 million. I I said we prefer 50, but I'll look at these that are 35 because if they keep running uh, and the price runs and people start buying it, it'll get there, yeah. And then no ETFs and the price above or at, or within a half of a percent of the 200 day moving average. And this gives me seven stocks today that are up on volume that meet our criteria. And then we just start uh, paging through them. And this is one that, uh, AEHR is the first one. Uh, that popped up. It's up on over a 1,000% average daily volume, Eight up 18%. This is a stock that has been on our universe list for a while. Uh, It's something we were watching at the open as a possible buy, but it just gapped up uh, too far and moved too quickly. I wanted to get into it closer to 45. Uh, But I'll keep it on the watch list. We'll set alerts for it. And it, it may... Uh, have a gentle pullback into a moving average that makes it uh, a lower risk entry for us. But for now, uh, we passed on it. The next one, I'll just go through these seven real quick. GKOS, or, uh, this is a medical product company. Uh, I don't know much about it, but very often what we do is we use this as a starting point and then we go into finding out what the story is. Why is it up? Because it's not the chart itself that makes the stock let's say double we're always looking for something that's going to double uh it's not the chart that makes it double it's the story behind the chart so maybe glaucose got uh they they treat uh glaucoma diseases maybe they got an approval or something like that and it may end up being something that we would be interested in but you know for now we're going to pass edr is a leisure services company this is bounced off the 200 day moving average so it's not a leader uh, but at least it's working in the right direction TTD, this was added, going to be added to the NASDAQ 100. Uh, That's one of the reasons why it's been up this week. It had a very nice bounce off the 21-day moving average. So this is one that's already in our universe list. Tidewater, this is also uh, in, this is actually in the 21 over 21 list, uh, meaning it's got the fundamentals. You can see it's, they make a significant amount of money, uh, but it's up near 20% of the pivot, off the pivot. So it's extended. Uh, but it's having a good day. It's definitely a leading oil stock and one that broke out before the oils started acting better over the past week. The number one stock in the market to me, NVIDIA. Uh, This is our largest position. It's up 2.5% on the day on uh, 92% above average volume. And AMD also uh, having a good day today after bouncing off the 50-day moving average and recovering the 21. So some of these were already on our universe list. Some of them are new. depends on the chart, depends on the volume. Uh, we'll start taking a look at some of them, but that's basically what we do. Uh, in addition to that, I've got a universe list that I'm screening uh, all day for volume, as well as uh, the 21 over 21 list. I can sort it by volume and give me an idea of what's moving uh, as possible by or add points for our, uh, our universe, but basically start off with eliminating ETFs, then go to liquidity, then go to uh, where is it relative to its moving averages, uh, then go to the price action and then go to the fundamental story. So that's how we narrow down what's moving on volume each day and we're constantly uh, on the lookout. Uh, the guys, uh, uh, Mike Ted and Connor also have scripts running on Thinkorswim to look for things like uh, high volume open equals low on the day, which is showing stocks that have demand uh, for that day. And uh, there's a a lot of uh, gyrations that we go through. But the bottom line is that we're looking for the best stocks in the best sectors in the best market. And that's why we all keep our own personal 21 over 21 list updated constantly. Uh, And um, those are the 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 21 each week that we go into the week focused on to see if there are either buy or add opportunities on them.
0: And, and so let me ask you a couple of questions. I mean, for the listeners benefit. Um, so obviously when you got overlap, like you've each got your own 21 over 21 list, but when two or three of you have the same stocks, that's confirmation. And that really uh, excites us because then we've got more confirmation. But now in different market cycles, so like I was talking about, when you go into COVID or you go into a really bad bear market, all of a sudden, all these stocks break, their charts break, and there's, they're no good. And the stocks get less and less until there's hardly any on there, if any at all. And then on the flip side, you go to a big rally and you start going up. The economy does better. Whatever earnings improve, you start getting a lot of stocks on your watch list how do you adjust for in other words what is kind of the perp like are you looking for a 15 or 20 or 25 universe of stocks so that in a bullish bullish market you may have to tighten your parameters to get less stocks on there because you're getting so many that are making meeting the hurdle rate and like or conversely if you're in a bad bear market do you be a little bit more liberal with your parameters and loosen them up a little bit to get a few more stocks on there so that you at least see the, the the strongest of the week if you will
1: yeah we we don't really loosen them up even in a bad market what happens is the money starts flowing into things like staples or utilities and and those will dominate the list and that tells us that it's really not the environment that we should be buying stocks in uh, so we always try to keep at least 10 um, sectors on the 21 over 21 to show some diversity. Uh, and if, we, if we're if we having trouble getting 10 sectors, then that also is telling us something about the market. It's but a narrow market, it's, yeah. It, narrow market, yeah. But it, you know, I mean, it's really like, right after you go to the grocery store, you've got a full refrigerator, you can pick from anything that you want there. Uh, if if uh, a week goes by and uh, you're running low, all that's left is what's left in the refrigerator. And that <laughs> you, tells you it's time you, just wanna, you, store, you, and, you just want to
0: you just want to eat what's not spoiled. <laughs> right. Right. So, you don't want to spoil um, stock. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a con- it's a constant process. And um, each of the of the guys on the team have a certain number of sectors assigned to them. So they specialize in those sectors and are always on the lookout for stocks that are either emerging or breaking down. Uh, and that's how the list gets gets cultivated each week,
0: ok. So going so one, so yeah, uh, so
1: picking the weeds and watering the flowers, yeah,, yeah, yeah. The, so so think of
0: it. and by the way, that's totally opposite of the of the rebalancing the you, folks you've heard of the rebalancing where say you got a pie chart 20 20 20 and 20 and what they do at the end of the year the end of the some arbitrary date they go oh this one went from 20 to 10 and this one went from 20 to 30 so now we got to sell down the 30 percent back down to 20 and take that 10 percent and buy in the one that went down to 10 to get it back up to 20 20 20 again folks Sometimes you're picking the flowers to water the weeds. That's not the question. The question is, why did that thing lose half its value and go from 20 to 10? And why the hell didn't you sell it before I lost half my money? In other words, you may not want to add more back into it. Maybe you should sell it and get out of the way. And it's a dog and it's going to continue to be a dog. Conversely or likewise, the one that went up to 30, maybe that story is still continues. And maybe that's the strongest area to be. And maybe you want to add a little bit more. Remember, you can get overweight as long as you have a sell discipline, as long as you're willing to sell and not stay in it. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. All right, Don, I want to follow up with this because this is a great line of questioning for the the listeners to understand this. So you have the same kind of parameters and in a in a in a bear market it's pretty easy cuz you only got 8 10 12 maybe on there and it's not i mean picking through there it's pretty easy you only got a few if that you may either stay in cash or take a few stocks but you're obviously not fully invested you're very defensive in a really good market though now you're getting 40 50 80 100 you're getting a whole bunch of stocks on your stock list do you rank them in order and then just take the top thirty and go through those, or do you still go through all of them and look for the certain st- chart setups technically that offer the best probability of a short term moving higher
1: Relative strength is the deciding factor uh, for uh for what goes and what stays uh, okay. relative three and we use three month relative strength uh to allow the, the recent cream to rise to the top. Uh, the, when there are a lot of charts that look good, for example, if you look at a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average right now, you would think that, you know, that's a really nice setup. It's getting tight, it's getting to the top of the list. But if you look at the relative strength line, it's been underperforming for almost three months. So uh, if this was a stock, you look at the chart, you think that's fine, let me, put it, let it me uh, put it on my list. If you look at the relative strength line, you can tell it's an absolute laggard. But there are literally hundreds of stocks that could uh, meet our criteria, but there are various uh, ways for us to narrow it down. Liquidity, relative strength, uh, how close is it to a buy point? Uh, was there recently was it recently up on volume breaking out of a base? Was there a catalyst that made it break out of that base? Is there something uh, new about it that is going to drive demand for the stock? And that's ultimately what it comes down to is price volume, uh, price and volume, and relative strength for uh, what's what's staying on the list and what's getting punted off of the list.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that explanation. I just wanted to, cause I got a lot, I got some, not just the mailbag. I actually get questions from clients quite a bit, phone calls and they kind of, they've, I, I actually had three. In fact, I got one this morning calls asking me, you know, about the watch list and how do we cultivate stock? Well, just like tea there. Um, Um, TW. And and
1: um, another another, uh, point on the volume, we're not always looking for what's up on volume. We also wanna know what's down on volume uh, because like for example, Palo Alto Networks, uh, an absolute leader in this market over the past uh, six to eight weeks. But on Wednesday of this week, it broke down on massive volume. So this is something in the 21 over 21 list, broke the 21 day moving average, And now the last two days, it can't get back above the 21 and the 21 actually looks like it's acting as resistance. That's important to know. And this stock will, is probably going to come off the 21, 21 list by the end of the day, when I, uh, finalize the new list. So it's not just up on volume. We also want to know what's down on volume, especially if it's in our universe, uh, or on one of our key lists, or if we own it, obviously.
0: Right. Right. Okay. All right, well, that sounds good. All right, well, let's see what the team has.
1: Yeah, let's move over to uh, Michael first. He's got an interesting topic for us. Okay. Mike, take it away. Uh,
2: yeah, so something something really difficult, probably the most difficult thing in, um, in investing and trading is knowing what to sell. And the warning signs, Sometimes they are there, sometimes they're not like, for example, in, in Palo Alto, it was hitting new highs. There weren't a lot of warning signs there, but then you get a big reversal and you get a big, uh, sharp move lower. And that once it breaks the 21, that can be your, your indicator. So you can use moving averages, but something that does show up some of the time and can be useful and and give you, um, a an early indication is, um, is something like a gap and fade or an outside reversal. Um, a shooting star. And what that means is, um, is the stock on usually earnings or some sort of good news, it'll, it'll move up on volume, it'll be doing well. And then during the day, that move just fades, and it starts moving lower and lower and lower, and the bulls can't um, hang on to that move. And what that shows you is that maybe that move is exhausted, and maybe we're coming to the end of that trend. So an example of that is if you pull up a Delta DAL. Um, so Delta has had a huge move in the last few months. They reported earnings two days ago, and you can see here that it moved up on earnings, very high volume, and then ended up closing, uh, in the red and right at that ADMA, and then it's continuing lower today and, um, Delta. Shares were up more than 30% since the beginning of June. So you can see here that move um, out of this consolidation back in the end of May, early June. It ran up 30% um, to its highest level in over two years. And on on earnings, you can see they had a beat there. Um, So they they issued a beat and raise uh, and they had record operating revenue and operating income. So all really great news. And on the report, they said there was red hot demand, that seems to be immune to the effects of rising interest rates and high inflation. So, that's all great news. The stock initially reacted very positively, but as you can see on the chart, it it faded and closed at the lows on on high volume. And um with that continuation lower, that in the move may not be over, it may not be done. It could just be consolidating for a move higher, but that is a warning sign and when the rest of the group is confirming that move, it is something to to be careful of. And um is this the, the Jet ETF um oh that that's delta on the weekly. Um yeah, so if you pull up the the Jet ETF or look at the other names in the group like United, American Airlines, Southwest, they're all kind of confirming that same uh same price action. So, it is something to be um to be wary of and if you have a 30% gain if you gotten at the right point, um maybe maybe it's time to to secure some of those profits um so that it's always nice when, when you do have a, a blatant warning signal like that. Um, because uh, as I said, selling super hard and, uh, it give, gives you an opportunity to, to take a high probability, um, uh, setup. and, uh, similar action that we're seeing is, is with the banks. So if you look at JP Morgan, for example, JP Morgan, same kind of thing. They had good earnings today, uh, record revenues. Things look to be doing well, but um, that move seems to be putting in some uh, an exhaustive uh, pattern. It, it gapped up today, moved to new highs, and then during the day, it's just been fading. Um, if you look at Citigroup, Citigroup actually gapped down, moved higher on earnings, um, and then the move just completely faded. And they're, they're pretty uh, in the red now, breaking below the 200-day moving average xlf the rest of the group is confirming that kre the regional banks also confirming that price action so definitely things to be um aware of and as i said if you've got a nice gain in something maybe maybe it's a good spot to uh to take some profits and then so this is where to sell but then a good place to buy which is the opposite is called the the undercut and reclaim or a bullish engulfing and a good example of this is if you pull up a m d on uh, may fourth so this was two days after their earnings. it was really on the back of uh Nvidia's earnings, but going back to um early May right after that earnings report, they actually gapped down on earnings, sold off pretty heavily, and then the next day they undercut reclaimed that move, and that was that was the low of uh of this move for now so that can tell you when a move to the downside may be exhausted, and um, there, there's no more selling pressure. And there was bad news on the earnings; they said they they see some slowdown in in some of their chips, but there, there was no more downside there, and it ended up reversing higher. Another one is uh, the S and P five hundred SPY on October thirteenth. Uh, that's one of the strongest uh, undercutting reclaims we've had that I've seen on, on the index in, in a long time. And that's what marked the low of, of this bear market. And that was on CPI hitting, hitting new highs, inflation out of control, terrible news related to the economy. And what did we do? We undercut the lows, reversed higher, and that was, that was the bottom of the market. So these can be really powerful, uh, indications that a trend may be reversing and The reason for this, a lot of times when this happens is because institutions, they need liquidity to either enter or exit a position and events like earnings or some, some significant news release is where a lot of volume comes in and institutions use that as a liquidity event for them to either exit or enter a position. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, sometimes it doesn't make sense to the, to the retail investor because why would a stock be going up on bad news? But most of the time, these things are priced in well in advance. And take note of that when, when things either can't keep going higher, they're, they're not able to move higher on positive news or they're not able to move lower on negative news could could be a, a great indicator that the, the trend uh, may be reversing.
1: Good stuff, Mike. I got. especially like like you pointing out uh, that October 13th undercut uh, and rally, I remember we were on our team call that morning. Uh, If you look at the weekly chart, you can see how the market had fallen uh, over the prior couple of months by nearly uh, 20%. And then you get Uh, the the confirmation of the bad CPI number and what happened, it put in a bottom and reversed to the upside. So the market was looking forward and forecasting this over the prior couple of weeks. uh, And then the fact came out and then you hear of sell the news all the time, this was a buy the news. Um, The market at that point figured, well, things probably can't get much worse than they are now relative to the price uh, of the S&P 500. So, uh, people started buying, institutions started buying and that put in the low, uh, kicked off what is now uh, a third wave up and uh, a combination of higher lows and higher highs, that's the definition of an uptrend. So we flipped that day uh, from a downtrend to the beginning of an uptrend, started to reclaim the moving averages. And by our uh, process here, uh, we start dipping toes back into the market as the market starts to appear healthier and when it gets back above the 200-day moving average, at that point, uh, by our process, it flips from uh, an unhealthy or a risky market to one that may be providing opportunities. So that's when we in, implement our process of monitoring the indexes relative to their moving averages and looking for leading stocks and leading sectors that are setting up. Good stuff there, Mike.
0: Hey, hey, Don. Any questions, what, what, Dan. Yeah, yeah. One one thing I like. Of course, to po- you do. Well, one thing I like to point out when 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 Michael said, you know, the earnings came out and they actually disappointed or kind of shocked, and you would think the market, the stock would sell off, but it actually rallied after that. Folks, a lot of times, what these companies do when they, especially during a bear market, when a lot of companies are. You know, getting t- reporting, disappointing and and, and and getting ugly if they know they're going to disappoint. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, they load up and they get it all out of the way. They rip the band-aid off and they get all their bad news all out at once. They take the hit and they cleanse it so that going forward, all the numbers will start looking good for the next uh, year or two. Wall Street kind of knows that the big institutional guys know toward the end of a bear market, the companies are going to purge all their bad news and get all that stuff out so they can start with a clean slate. So it's just like with the Fed. Bad news means the Fed doesn't necessarily have to raise rates, and so it's bullish going forward. Not And you would think that good news would be good for the economy. Well, that means the Fed may have to continue raising rates. So it's kind of counterintuitive, but a lot of times stocks will report one way and the stock will actually move the other. And that's why it goes back again to our motto, Price is Truth. All right, Don, sorry, go ahead. All
1: right, let's move on to Connor. Connor's got four charts we're gonna go through
3: here. And yeah. uh, take it away, Connor. Yeah, so for today, I wanted to talk about stage analysis and how um, most stocks go through four cycles. So when you zoom out and look at longer term timeframes, uh, most stocks travel in uh stage one facing uh stage two which is the uptrend stage three which is the distribution and stage four which is the downtrend and when you study historical charts um these repeat themselves over and over and this was coined from stan weinstein he's a a legendary investor and um his his process for looking at charts uh is gives really good insight into where charts at um and can help you think better so What Don has on the screen right now, that's the basis of stage analysis. And I've marked up three different charts from the current market to show you what they look like in real time. So if you just wanna go to the next one, Don. Yeah, so this this chart is probably the best example that I've seen in terms of how accurately it followed stage analysis. So you look, I, I put a box around, when you look at that stage one, Obviously, there was the COVID, uh, COVID crash, which no one could expect, but you could see it, it traded in that tight box and range for quite some time. And once it broke above the 30-week moving average and, and through that resistance box, that's when the move really started going. So that's why, as a trader investor, you want to position yourselves in stocks that are in stage two, because as you can see in this chart, um, stage one can take a long time. And once it gets into stage two, it stays above the 30 week moving average, the whole move, and eventually has a climat- climatic top. Um, and then you can look at the stage three. So it has those huge two weeks of selling and then it kind of trades up and down for weeks on end. But you notice it's now below a downward sloping 30 week moving average. And that's your tell that um, the stock could be topping. and. It is no longer in a stage two uptrend and then when it has that third test of the 30-week moving average it has a very steep decline and now when we look at present day today um from my analysis it looks like arcs trying to form a stage one bottom and enter stage two uptrend it's been basing around here it's held the lows um it broke above the 30-week moving average came down to retest it now it's coming up to the top of the box with the upward sloping 30-week moving average so you could argue that um from this analysis that arc looks like it's trying to bottom out here and go into stage two uptrend
0: okay You, you know what that highlights real quick that highlights exactly why you can't just hold buy and hold So remember, two years ago, Tesla was the best performing stock. Then last year, it was down 69%. This year, it's the leading stock again. That's why you can't just ride the market cycles. Cisco Systems made 100% all through the 90s every year. Uh, It was a $2, $3 cost basis in the early 90s. It went all the way up to 80. After the tech wreck, it was down to $9 from 80. Okay? You can't just buy and hold blindly, in our opinion. All right, Don, go ahead.
3: And then, uh, so this is the second example. This is Nvidia. Like Don said, probably the strongest stock in the market. And as you can see, this stage one uh, base stood out a lot because it formed an inverse head and shoulders. So at the bottom of the box, that was the head. And then you see on the left the little shoulder and then the right shoulder. And the right shoulder coincided with the 30-week moving average as it started to slope up. So you can really see the system works, how when it breaks above the resistance of that stage one base, the 30-week moving average starts to slope up. And this thing started to accelerate a lot. And it's been, it bursted through all-time highs and it's the strongest stock in the market right now. And yeah, and then the last example, I just wanted to include the the NASDAQ, the index. <clears throat> and this was another one that gave great characteristics of Sage analysis could have helped you navigate the market. Um, the news was all doom and gloom, but if you looked at the chart objectively, you would have noticed we broke above the 30-week moving average, and then we came back down to retest it. And after that retest, it's just been straight up. So this can um if if you're worried about all the the macro news but the chart was saying something differently uh that would have helped you out a lot
1: that is uh those three charts are just an absolute great example of a of a key concept by a legendary investor that's one of the guys that uh we we love his book we pay attention to his work and it just works this is what the market does it forms these it goes through stages it forms these uh bases it has a run-up it 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 becomes distributive uh, which means people are starting to lock in profits then there's more sellers than buyers it goes into stage four and the whole process starts over again and it happens within the business cycle it happens at different times for different stocks and different sectors but uh, it's a it's a tried and true method of staying on the right side of a, of the market. Thanks, Connor. Great stuff there. Uh, Ted, let's uh, go ahead to your, uh, you've got seven charts for us today.
4: I'm just going to quickly give a breath update because I haven't done one in a couple of weeks or a few weeks. Um, so the first one or the first two are both advanced decline lines of the S&P 500 and the and the NASDAQ. And Don currently has up the S&P 500 weekly chart. And above that is the New York Stock Exchange advanced decline line, and then the S&P 500 advanced decline line, which is on the very top. And so the S&P 500 advanced decline line is in new highs, um, which is just showing super strength in this particular index. And then the New York Stock Exchange is making higher lows and higher, uh, higher, lows and higher highs as well. If we were to go to the NASDAQ, um the advanced (laughs) decline line is definitely lagging a little bit but we are turning up off the lows and so you could see this um as a negative but also as a positive because seeing the strength in other areas of the market you can say that if the nasdaq continues to broaden out that could just add more fuel to the current fire um do you have that pulled up right now yeah so continue on
1: Yeah. Go to, go to, uh, go to this, go to high lows.
4: Yeah. These are the NISI net highs and lows. And as you can see, we started getting an up thrust in net highs this week, which is definitely a good indication. Um, we got, I think we got two readings of 200 plus, and we would like to see this continue further. Um, in a, in a true uptrend, you you would like to see at least 500 plus, even thousand plus on some days. Um, so, this could definitely get better, and it, this is a good indication so far. Currently on the screen, we have the NASDAQ, um, net highs and lows. And this week we put in the highest reading of this entire just 1.5 to two years bear market. And this, this is a, definitely a good indication that stocks are making new highs and are participating in this rally. Um, continue on, Don will have the NAZI on the screen. We reclaim the 10-day moving average and the parabolic SAR. Um, it's nice because you can see that the NAZI is in the uptrend and then it almost formed like a base that you would see in stocks. And now we're breaking out again. The RSI is back into overbought territory, which is what we'd like to see. Um, especially turning out from a bear transitioning into a bull. We like to see overbought conditions per- persist because that just shows uh, the, buying, the, uh, the buying from institutions and, and, the, and the non-stop buying from institutions. And finally, the two the two last charts. The first one shows the percentage of stocks above various moving averages. The 50 day reading is on the very top. The 150 day is in the middle, and then 200 day is on the bottom. As you can see, the SP 500 just very broad. We have over 73 percent of stocks above the 200 day and 150 day. One thing I do want to note is that the 50 day. The stocks above the 50-day moving average is approaching the highs of the range. So even though we are getting stocks participating, that could be seen as um, an overbought reading. So maybe we we have to sustain through a pullback maybe the next week or so, but that doesn't have to be the case. But that is one thing to look for in the many indicators we look at. And finally, the NASDAQ breath, just like the advanced decline line, it's lagging a little bit, but it's nice to see (laughs) the stocks above the 150-day and two hundred fifty. And 200-day um, start to trend up. We'd like to see it make a higher high over that. I think it's early 2023 highs. We still haven't yet crossed that. Um, so there's still room to run in the Nasdaq, even though the price has gone up a lot, a lot quicker than the percentage of stocks above uh, various moving averages.
1: All right, good stuff, Ted. And uh, also, one of the things that you pointed out is you, you know. I've been, in the nightly videos, been discussing how extended the NASDAQ 100 is uh, relative to its 50-day moving average uh, compared to historical levels. Uh, and when you get over 7%, 6 to 7% extended, normally you're due for a pullback, but you have to temper that with what type of a market you're in. And we really transitioned over the last week, week and a half from a market that was top heavy with the big NASDAQ 100 stocks to one that really broadened out. We've got uh, participation by industrials in some uh, of the cyclical stocks. And uh, bull markets are different than uh, than sideways trending markets and obviously different from bear markets. So you have to know what type of market you're in in order to uh, train your rules and expectations Uh, accordingly. We've got different scenarios for different types of markets. And in fact, we uh, have different expectations for our portfolios depending on uh, what type of market that we're in. So great stuff, guys, all three of those presentations. uh, Very nice. And uh, Dan, we'll throw it back to you to wrap it up.
0: Hey, Thanks, Don. Listen, I'd like to point out, because he made a very apropos point, I want to make sure that doesn't go you got to look at a lot of stuff so these oscillating indicators when they're telling you overbought and oversold that's when you're talking about range bound or or within ranges if the market's in a very strong rally it'll just keep getting overbought so if you're just using overbought readings itself an oscillating indicator you're, you're you'll won't you won't get in you'll miss out some because it just keeps getting overbought as it keeps going up just like in a bear market when it's selling off hard they just keep getting oversold so you got to move to cash you got to quit trying to buy, buy the dip buy the bottom buy the dip cuz you don't know where that is you actually want it to follow up so anyway that's just a good point and i just wanted to 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 have that so so the whole theme of this show Was, is the train leaving the station? It's actually left, folks. The question is, are you on board? Now, it doesn't matter about your feelings or you're scared or are you this or are you? I am. I'm surprised at how strong this rally is. It's surprising me. It's against my feelings and my emotions. That's why I need rules so that I can get in even when it feels uncomfortable. Right now, the market is in strong rally mode. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what those Yahoo economists, aren't those morons on CNBC, uh, say or talk about. Hell, one of their uh, show hosts didn't even know what monetizing monetization of the debt meant till I explained it to him one time, and now he uses it all the time. Listen, don't listen to those people. Don't listen to people that have an agenda. Don't listen to the financial media. Listen to the charts. Listen to the mar- what the market is telling you. Price is truth. And right now the market is acting very well and you should be almost all in. With the caveat, you got to have a sell discipline. You got to be able to get out. That also makes it a lot more comfortable to get in. Folks, listen. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend, tell a neighbor. Just send them to RevereAsset.com. In the upper right-hand corner of our website, there's a, a subscribe button, and you can—they can just put in their name and email. We won't reach out to them. We won't spam them in any way. We will—it's—it's it's up to them to reach out to us. In fact, there's a contact button next to the subscribe button where you can send me an email. Uh, And and send me a message. You want a complimentary portfolio review, or you just want us to talk about a stock on the, on the podcast or an idea. And you can always email any of us, Dan at revereasset.com, Don, Ted, Connor, or Michael at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at eight, five, five real wealth right now. The markets are acting good. How are you positioned? If you need help, call us. We'll talk to you next week on your money.
1: Because it's not how much you make in the markets. It's how much of that you can keep.
0: Yeah.